Well, good morning, Missio. It is always a pleasure to be with you. Um, there's a lot to go into today, and so I don't want to waste a lot of time. Um, my name is Joel, and I'm the community pastor and spiritual formation pastor here. And um, one of the great things uh, about um, this last weekend was spending time with some of our leaders um, yesterday. And um, I got a chance to lead a Space for God uh, retreat with them for the day and um, was just reminded of the hospitality of God and uh, what that looks like. And the hospitality of God is the series that we're in um, right now. And um, I wanted to start with the creation story, and then we'll go a little bit deeper in that. So uh, the creation story starts in Genesis 1, and it goes from uh, Genesis 1 through 25 is, is kind of the description I want to start with. Genesis 1 starts in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he created the day and the night. He expanded the waters and the sky and the earth. He sprouts trees and vegetation. Then he creates birds for the sky creatures for the sea, animals on the earth. And then it says, and it was all good. I love this picture. Um, this is from the Luther Bible. There's so much detail in it. I think we need a bigger screen so that we can see more of the detail. So we'll work on that. But this image of God creating right, creating the heavens and the earth. And then in Genesis 1, 26 through 31, we're going to read about the way that God created humanity. So let's start there, Genesis 1, 26 through 31, and we'll read. Then God said, let's make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it, the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with the seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made 
and behold it. It was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. I love to think about relationship between God and humanity prior to the fall. There isn't a lot of content in uh, the pages of the Bible, but you can imagine what it must have been like to be Adam and Eve. God, he creates this sphere of perfect beauty, the heavens and the earth, night and day, sun and moon and stars, plants and trees, living creatures. And then he plops people right in the center of it. He gives them responsibilities over things, to name things, to maintain things. He gives them access to wander and explore the garden, to eat every plant, almost every plant. And then he says, it's very good. Then we see um, in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, a little bit more detail. The different accounts of the creation of humanity and the story of the fall. Most of us who grew up in church are, are familiar with this story, right? Prior to the fall, it says that man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They weren't concerned about the roles. They weren't concerned about the blemishes. They weren't concerned. They were not ashamed about any of it. We know that there was a relationship between God and humanity. We know that it said that God walked with the people in the garden in the cool of the day, having conversation with them. I can only imagine the union that was happening between God and humans. This, this discussion with Adam and Eve that God would have. The way that they were made and the way that they were supposed to feel the comfort of being the child a being, a created being. They were naked, unashamed. They were connected in relationship with God, relationship with the Creator God. Everything was right. Everything was okay. They were okay with one another. No shame, no fear. And then... We don't know how long this relationship continued. We don't know how long this, this beautiful union was. But we know that at some point, sin entered the world. We know that that changed everything. Eating from the tree of good and evil brought death and destruction into this beautiful world and tainted the relationship. All of a sudden, fear and shame enter the picture. So we're starting this series 
called biblical hospitality. And you might be wondering, so why did we just spend so much time talking about the creation of humanity? There's a reason. When we look at the word hospitality, when we see the word hospitality, like in the New Testament, uh, like 1 Peter 4, 9, it says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The word hospitality means this. In, in the Greek, it's philiozenos. Uh, Philio meaning friendly love, kind of like the word Philadelphia, the city of you know, Philadelphia, not the cream cheese, but the brotherly love city, right? Philo means friendly love. Xenos or Xenos is the alien, the stranger, the foreigner. It's the root of where we get xenophobia, the fear of the stranger, the alien. So when you take that Greek word and you put it together, Philly Philozenos, it means loving stranger, loving the stranger. So hospitality is this idea of extending love to the stranger, to the foreigner, to the alien. You see, God's heart of hospitality, it's for humanity. It's actually extended to Love the stranger. And what happened in the garden? People and God were united. They knew each other intimately. They were perfect. There was no fear. There was no shame. And then, and then sin pulled them apart. And they became estranged from God. They became alienated from God. They became foreigners to this creation. From the time sin, shame, and fear entered the world and made us strangers, aliens, and foreigners to God, this is the work of God, his hospitality, to love the strangers and to restore them back to perfect unity to be in that place of union again and relationship again with his created beings. You see, the rest of the story after Genesis 3 revolves around God's pursuit of humanity, revolves around God's pursuit of putting everything back together. He goes after the stranger. He goes after the foreigner. He goes after his children. Jesus, God, they're hospitable. Both Jesus and God love the foreigner. They love the stranger. God, in the begin, in this, this story, in the Old Testament, he goes after Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the people of Israel. He is in pursuit 
to bring back that union. And then we see it in Jesus himself coming here on earth in the form of human flesh to be present. You see, Jesus loves the stranger because God loves the stranger. In the life of Jesus, we see a heart of welcome who wherever he goes and in every space within himself and within others, he welcomes us as friends, physically and relationally. If you look at all the interactions of Jesus in the Bible with others, you see this heart of hospitality. Jesus and the man with the withered hand, he goes out of his way on a Sabbath day where he's supposed to be resting, and he sees a man with a withered hand, and he has compassion on him. And he says, reach out your hand. You see, this man with the withered hand can't work. In, the time, in that time, this withered hand created a disability so he couldn't work. He was marginalized. And Jesus saw him. Jesus loved the stranger. There was an account of Jesus healing a paralytic. He was at the home of the, one of the disciples, and it filled up. Being hospitable, having strangers into the home, and it fills up. And what happens? Four guys drag their friend up onto the roof, opened the roof, lowered their friend down. And Jesus and his hospitality and his love for the marginalized and his love for the sick shows him hospitality. He heals him. Jesus, in the story of the woman at the well, this woman has been outcast. She's been marginalized by the community. She is going out to the well during the middle of the day to avoid everybody else who goes early in the morning and late in the evening. Jesus finds her. He greets her. He's hospitable. And their encounter changes her. He sees her as worthy. One of my favorite stories of Jesus and his hospitality is found in John 21, 1 through 13. Let's read that together. John 21, 1 through 13. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel, a Canaanite in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others uh, of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Sounds like one of my fishing trips. Just as, just as day broke, 
Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was him. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the nets on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because the quantity of fish. That disciple who Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had stripped to work, and then he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the nets full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out of the when they got onto land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of those fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the nets ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. No one of the disciples dared ask him, who, who, you, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. Now remember, Simon Peter was the one that denied Jesus, not one time, but three times. Simon didn't have any other chances to confess that he was a follower of Jesus that night. Jesus was betrayed and he was crucified. Simon didn't have another chance to ask for forgiveness that night. And so he goes off, the man that he was following for three years, the man that he was committed to for three years, he had turned his back on and denied, and now was gone. Peter doesn't know what to do with himself. He doesn't know where to go. He's confused. He's heartbroken. The weight of that denial is heavy on him. So what do you do when you're lost? What do you do when you're burdened? You go back to do what you know how to do. You fish. So Peter grabs his dudes and says, let's go fishing. And so they're all gung-ho. They go out. And even that night, they can't even do what they were trained to do, catch a fish. Can you imagine just the heaviness on Peter. And then all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up on the beach, prepares a meal, a simple meal for Peter and the boys. And then he catches their attention, calls them. Peter throws everything down, grabs his shorts, puts them back on, and jumps into the water and starts 
swimming. Can you imagine what's going on in his head as he's swimming? He's excited. He's like, it's Jesus. Yes, it's Jesus. Oh, shoot. I denied him three times. What's going to happen when I get there? Do I apologize? Will he forgive me? This is a longer swim than I thought. Can I go back? He gets ashore. And Jesus is there. Peter and his relationship, this this guy who alienated Jesus, this guy who is estranged from Jesus, this guy who has done everything wrong, gets to shore. And Jesus invites him to sit down and have a meal. He invites him to go, hey, go get some of your fish. Let's add to this meal. Get, get your boys. We're going to eat. The hospitality of Jesus is to love the estranged, to love the foreigner, to love the stranger, to love the broken, the marginalized. Christ's presence with Peter restores him. His presence with Peter heals him. He's reminded that he is a child of God. He's reminded that the new kingdom is coming through Jesus. He's reminded that we're still friends. We're still good. I don't know about you, but that is so powerful. To be present with somebody, to offer forgiveness, to be present with somebody, to sit in their pain, To be present with somebody and remind them who they are. That is the hospitality of God. That is the hospitality of Jesus. Have you ever experienced that type of hospitality with Christ? We've all felt far from God at some point. We've all felt like we're a stranger and an alien in this Christian world, in this relationship with God. It's normal. Because sin entered into our lives somewhere and still is there. And it fractures our relationship. Fractures our relationship. (laughs) We're broken. And we need the power and the hospitality of the love of God to bring us back into reminding us who we are. His created kids, 
in the garden. He wants to have union with us. Hospitality is actually the good news. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that God has when he says he is extending his love to you. That he wants to be in union with you. Where you feel shame. Where you feel fear. He is there. You can be who you were created to be. You can be naked and unashamed before God and before others. You don't have to hide behind all the masks. You don't have to put up a front. You don't have to tell yourself stories about what's going on. The source of hospitality is gospel. It's good news. That God who created you wants to love you and to be with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be free from fear, from shame. He wants you to flourish the way that you were meant to flourish. If you've never experienced that type of hospitality, that is the gospel. That is what we talk about when we come every Sunday. You can have that. You can pray and ask Jesus to show up this way for you. And he will. Just say, I want to live in relationship with you, God. And if you end up doing that today. Come find me or find a friend that you can talk to and say, yes, I want this. I want to explore this. I want this in my life. And for those of you that have experienced this, that have experienced the hospitality of God, the forgiveness of Christ in your life, we've been invited into a life filled with hospitality, with God and with others. Hospitality is relational. It's about extending love to the stranger or the estranged. It's about extending love to the alien or the alienated. And for some of us, for most of us, this sounds hard and difficult. And it is. It is when it comes out of our own source of power and strength. We don't have that capacity in us. But we need to remember that the source of hospitality actually comes from God, from our experience of being forgiven, our experience of being seen by the Father, our experience of being called the children of God. And because of that, we're invited to actually go and be that to others.
to proclaim the goodness of God's hospitality to others. You have experienced the hospitality of God. Now you have the opportunity to be that to others. I told you earlier, as, as I sat yesterday with these leaders in a Space for God uh, retreat, the role that I played was not to be God, right? It wasn't to answer their questions and to, to solve their problems. The role of a hospitable brother to these guys was to hold space, create space, so that this group of leaders could just experience and be with the loving Father. We get to do that for one another. To love the stranger, to love the other, means that we bring them closer, one step closer to a loving God to experience and to help them understand that they were created to be in union with God. Here's a couple things you can do. Practice hospitality. It's as easy as this. Love the stranger, meaning be friendly, be kind to strangers. Be friendly, be kind. Doesn't take that much. This is the baby step. Open a door, say hello. Don't be nasty to people, right? Love the stranger. A second thing you can do, this is a little bit more advanced. Be present and listen to people's story. Especially those who are estranged from God. Those who are alienated from God. To sit without judgment. To sit without actual trying to solve and give advice. To be present with somebody and listen is a gift that you can give. So many times when we are working through things with God, it's actually that we just need to be able to express what's going on deep in here. The feelings that we have of not connecting the feelings that we have of loneliness, the feelings that we have of guilt, of shame. And when we can actually begin to say it out loud and feel like we're not judged, that we're not condemned, healing takes place. As followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, we get to be that for people. We get to hold that space. 
without judgment. And that can be healing. And that can help them take one step closer to God. One last thing. And this is more for you personally. We've said that God is a God of hospitality. That he loves the stranger. And for us, like I said, there's times and seasons in our life that we are still a stranger to God. So when God is pursuing you, embrace God's hospitality towards you. How does God want to love you and bring you back into this space of fearlessness, of shamelessness, to be in union with him? How does he want to do that? Can you allow him to do that? Will you let him love you? Will you let him call you friend? This is my prayer for you. Is that you get to a place in your walk with God where you are unashamed, where you can be naked and not afraid, where you can feel like you are experiencing God the way he created you to be. Because when that happens, you can do things for God. You can live and flourish in his kingdom without fear of what people think, without fear of failure, without fear, without shame, you are freed. Could you imagine what that would be like? Literally, it's, it's heaven. Literally, it's going back to the garden pre-fall is what it would feel like. And that's my prayer for you, that you experience heaven on earth and that freedom in Christ, that freedom in the hospitality of God. We're going to end um, in a time of communion. And the band's going to come up and lead us through um, some reflection and song. But at a time of communion, when we look at this table and we see these little cups of juice and these slices of bread, it reminds us that we are no longer strangers to God. We are no longer strangers because Christ has given up his blood. He's given up his body to invite you back in to union with God. This table is the table of hospitality. And we get to partake in it today. So before we do that,
um, would you pray the prayer of confession with me? And then the band will lead us in a few songs. And they'll invite you up to take communion. But let's pray this prayer confession together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault, in thought, in word, in deed, in what we have done and what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen.